In the 1940s and 50s, biblical scholars were given a treat, merely 25 miles east and south of Jerusalem. The Dead Sea Scrolls confirmed how accurate our Bible is. And now a new collection's found, 80 pieces, The Word is Alive. They were found in the Judean desert, in the Cave of Horror, named for the 40 human skeletons found there in 1960. Experts think these 80 scroll fragments were stashed away during the Barcoba Revolt in 132 AD. What's on them? Excerpts from Nahum, as well as Zechariah 8. Let none of you imagine evil in your heart against his neighbor, and love no false oath. The word is living and active. Perhaps the Lord is sending us as Christians a message. Jesus said we would be known by our love, not our enemies. Love one another. Imagine no evil against your neighbors. After all, Christ's love led him to the cross. His love frees us from hate. Welcome to Haven Today. I'm Charles Morris, sharing the great story every day with you that's all about Jesus. And we're in a series this week called Easter Stories. I know Easter this year has now come and gone, but when you read the New Testament, you realize that Christ's followers reveled in the light of the resurrection. Paul was constantly marveling about the truth that Christ had risen from the dead and that the same power that raised Jesus made Paul alive as well. And anyone who is born again has experienced the same life-changing event that Paul had in Christ Jesus. We are new creations, members of the recreation that started when Christ rose from the dead on that first and glorious Easter morning. In a moment, we're going to look at one of the many stories that happened at that very first Easter. It's one of doubt and confusion, but it ends with worship as Thomas saw the risen Christ for the very first time. Stay with me. We all need to be reminded of this life-changing story. The subject of doubt and confusion reminds me of the feature film that we've been offering for your gift to Haven today. It's the movie called Risen, following the story of Clavius, a Roman soldier who is tasked with the duty to find the body of Jesus after the resurrection. Our friends at the Center for Public Christianity in Australia asked the screenwriter how he came up with the idea for the movie. The original idea came from seeing the passion of the Christ, like many people. You know, it was a very grueling experience. Uh, and then at the very end of the film, after all the blood and the, and the uh, crucifixion, Christ stands in the tomb, resurrected, he's cleansed of blood, and he walks out into the world. And I thought as I was sitting there, this is a story I want to tell. We just saw the passion, and I want to tell the upside of it, the glory of it, right? Then when I got into it, and when I actually started digging into the scripture and looking for a way to tell the story, I... I realized that going back to the old days of Ben-Hur, uh, the robe, it would be beneficial to use an outsider because it gave me the leeway to move around Jerusalem and try and weave the backstory of what was happening in between, because I figured the Christian audience coming to this, they would know the, you know the chapter and verse. But an outside audience looking at this, we, you know, Clavius stands in for the spectator. He kind of, you know, allegorically, he stands in for modern man looking at this event that happened 2,000 years ago, because a lot of people have, have problems with it, and so that was the idea, was that by creating a fictional character and dropping him in the movie, we could move around, and we could choose to show what we wanted, and, and more importantly, 
it would tell the story of transformation through this person, because ultimately the story is supposed to be inspirational and uplifting, and we could see it transform this one man. That's Paul Aiello, who co-wrote the movie Risen, with the director, Kevin Reynolds. Christians will enjoy this movie, but so will non-Christian friends as well. As you heard, it's epic, like Ben-Hur, but shows how hearts can be changed when they meet the risen Christ. You can call us after this program, make a gift to the ministry, but ask for a copy of Risen on DVD. Our number is 800-654-2836. That's 800-65-HAVEN. Or visit us at haventoday.org and watch the epic trailer for the movie. Our website again is haventoday.org. And a quick reminder, if you wanted to but still haven't ordered a copy of Andrew Peterson's Deluxe Resurrection Letters 1 album, we still have copies of this wonderful CD for your gift to the ministry. And now let's open with Keith and Kristen Getty. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. How can it be the one who died has borne our sin through sacrifice? To conquer every sting of death Sing, sing hallelujah For joy awakes as dawning light When Christ's disciples lift their eyes
so appreciate the Christocentric music that Keith and Kristen Getty have released over the past few years. That's Christ is Risen. He's risen indeed. And my name is Charles Morris here on Haven Today, and these are Easter stories we're sharing this week. Have you become a cynic this year? In a world like the one we're living in, it can be easy to assume that no one is genuine, that everyone has ulterior motives. If you pull back the curtain, you realize it's all just a big show, like that famous Wizard in the Land of Oz. If you are really great and powerful, you'll keep your promises. Do you presume to criticize the great Oz? You ungrateful creatures, think yourselves lucky that I'm giving you audience tomorrow instead of 20 years from now. Oh. The great Oz has spoken. Oh. Pay no attention to that man behind the curtain. The great Oz has spoken. Who are you? Oh, I, I, I am the great and powerful wizard of Oz. You are? Uh, I yes. don't believe you. No, I'm afraid it's true. There's no other wizard except me. You humbug! Yeah. Yes, it's exactly so. I'm a humbug. Oh, you're a very bad man. Oh, no, my dear. I, I'm a very good man. I'm just a very bad wizard. From the 1939 classic, The Wizard of Oz, it is a movie that has endured for decades because I think we can relate to it. The powerful wizard was just a mere man like you and me hiding behind a big, big curtain. We've all had those moments of the curtain being drawn back. A friend turns out to be someone different than what you'd come to believe. A fellow church member or even a church leader takes advantage of you. It's hard to keep the faith sometimes, it seems. We're in this series called Easter Stories. The world may be still fallen, but Jesus has risen indeed, and only he can restore and give us faith. I hope that's the case for you as we turn now to another story in the wake of Jesus' resurrection. I had a pull-back-the-curtain moment myself at the very site where, likely, Jesus walked out of that tomb 2,000 years ago. The Church of the Holy Sepulchre sits on top of the alleged sites where Christ was crucified and then buried. In one form or another, the church building has been there since the 4th century. Emperor Constantine converted to Christianity. He sent his mother and the Bishop of Jerusalem to find the location of the cross and the resurrection. And when these sites were found, Constantine ordered a church to be built. And over the centuries, the structure has been toppled or damaged by earthquakes, armies, and even fires. But it's always been rebuilt. If you were to ask the question, whom does the church belong to? The answer would be a complicated one. The main sections of the Church of the Holy Sepulchre are divided up between Roman Catholics, Eastern Orthodox, and Armenian Orthodox, but the other, smaller areas have been claimed by other Christian communions. I found that out during a trip to Israel. I was with a friend of mine, a pastor, and I wanted to see if the rooftop was accessible, such a significant site in the history of Christianity whether it actually was or not the actual place I wanted to go there. Surely the roof would have some great view or spiritual experience waiting for us. 
As it turned out, pastors of another Christian tradition were keeping a watch over the roof, their little piece of this church. And when we asked to take a picture with them, this monk asked for money. He said, you got a dollar. That's the only English he knew. We got our pictures, but in the process, the curtain had been pulled back a bit more. Life in this fallen world can leave us feeling cynical, even wondering if Christ himself is always cracked up to be. At the end of John's gospel, the apostle Thomas was asking a similar question. So let's take a look at this familiar passage about doubting Thomas and see how this Easter story helps us see through eyes of faith. Now Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were placed and put my hand in his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were in that house again, and Thomas was with them this time. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Shalom. And then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. And then here's what Thomas said to him. My Lord and my God. And then Jesus told him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. That's from John 20, 24 through 29, an Easter story here on Haven Today. For Thomas, the death of Jesus was like the curtain being drawn back on the Wizard of Oz. It's true that we should have sympathy for Thomas. We likely would have had a similar reaction. But we shouldn't miss that he's stuck in his unbelief. He had spent the last three years with the Savior. He had walked with him. He had listened to him teach. He had seen the miracles. He was an eyewitness. And he heard Jesus teach that he must die and rise again on the third day. But the spiritual eyes of Thomas had not yet been opened. The cross was a powerful sign of defeat to Thomas. So much so, he wouldn't even believe the testimony of his own companions. Christ was executed shamefully like a criminal. Their movement was over, he thought. He didn't believe the women who had been to the tomb and saw Jesus first, or the apostles who had seen the risen Lord with their own eyes. That was not enough for Thomas. He staked his claim and said, unless I see the nail marks in its hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. We're all tempted to make our own standards for belief. I get to decide what's believable or not. That's what Thomas was doing here. He said that the only way to believe that Christ was alive was to see him in the flesh and touch his wounds. To modern people like us, maybe that sounds somewhat reasonable. But if you think about it, Thomas didn't really have the right to make that decision, and neither do we. The Messiah never said to believe in him on our own terms, whatever is convenient to us, whatever seems reasonable. He said to Thomas, but he also says to us, 
stop doubting, and believe. When you hear this story, can't you picture Thomas actually touching Jesus' wounds? I usually do. But amazingly, the text doesn't actually say that. Thomas says that's what it'll take. But Jesus invited him to actually do it. And all that the passage tells us is Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. This encounter with the risen Christ was so powerful that Thomas' requirements for believing fell away. The Lord had come to him and declared the peace of the Holy Spirit upon him and urged him to believe. That's what it takes for anyone to believe, the power of the Spirit and the call of Christ. And he's calling you and me today to stop doubting and believe. Maybe you're thinking, well, Thomas had the advantage of actually seeing Jesus, and we don't. But listen to what Jesus said to him. Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. Here our Savior was talking about a different kind of sight, an inward sight. He's in heaven now, and it's true. We can't see him with our physical eyes right now. But Paul told us in Ephesians 1.18 that the eyes of our heart must be enlightened. That's how we gaze upon the risen Christ. With the eyes of faith, we look behind the curtain. And what do we find? What do we see? Not a fraud, not a con man. Behind the curtain, we find a Savior who's gone before us into the very holy of holies in heaven. And he invites us in, into the very presence of God. Do not doubt. Believe. That trip that I took inside the Church of the Holy Sepulchre holds a special memory for me. Anytime I can visit, it's memorable, but it doesn't give me faith. Jesus' tomb could have been there, but that tomb where Christ was laid is empty. It's been empty for 2,000 years. The Lord has won the battle against sin and death. He's won the battle against your unbelief. Don't allow the circumstances of this world dictate your belief in Christ. He's not a con man. He is Jesus, the friend of sinners, the shepherd who laid down his life for the sheep, the conqueror who rose again. And he comes to doubters like you and me, even this week following Easter. And he tenderly says to you and me, stop doubting and believe.
Lauren Talley, and Lord, I Believe in You here on Haven Today, Easter Stories this week. I'm Charles Morris. The world may doubt or even dispute the truth of the resurrection, but our Savior lives. Perhaps you were like Thomas at one point in your life. Maybe somebody listening right now to this program feels a bit like Thomas. Well, let me say, when you meet, and I mean really meet, the risen Christ, your doubts will fade away. And when you watch the feature film that we're offering this week called Risen, you'll see a similar story unfold before your eyes. This movie is one of the best faith-building movies I've come across in a long time. And as we heard earlier in the program from the screenwriter, the story is historical fiction in the tradition of Ben-Hur. It follows the biblical text, but from the idea of someone on the outside, a Roman soldier who was searching for the body of Christ. Little did he know that his investigation would pan out and change his life forever. I believe this film will capture your imagination and also encourage your walk with Jesus. So why don't you get in touch with us right now? Would you make a gift to this listener-supported ministry? Would you ask, though, for your copy of the Risen DVD? And here's the number to call, 800-654-2836, 800-65-HAVEN. Or go to haventoday.org and watch the movie trailer, and then you can make your gift and ask for Risen at haventoday.org. And don't forget, we still have copies of Andrew Peterson's Resurrection Letters 1, a CD, a deluxe version of it for your gift to the ministry, the best Easter album I've heard in a long time. I know you'll want to listen to it all year round. I'm Charles Morris. Thanks for joining me. Won't you come back again tomorrow? When again, we'll be sharing together the great story, the Easter story that's all about Jesus here on Haven Today. Here for your encouragement and your walk with Jesus, I'm Charles Morris with Haven Ministries, inviting you to anchor your day in God's Word. What a comfort to remind ourselves that God has a plan. When things don't go our way, we remember that God's ways are higher than our ways. The best example of this is in Christ's resurrection. When Jesus died, the disciples were crushed. They hadn't grasped that it was by God's design, one that he had revealed for generations. Jesus told them so in Luke 24. Not just his suffering, but his resurrection was predicted in the Old Testament. He was raised to fulfill scripture. It was all according to plan. Things don't go our way. We face adversity, setbacks, and one day death itself. But for Christians, resurrection is the happy ending of the story. It's all according to plan. Spend more time with Jesus with Anchor Devotional. Visit GetAnchor.com.